The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Hello and welcome to The Lifestyle Show with me, Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is the weekly show and podcast where we talk to some of the most inspiring people whose work, programs and interviews we feature on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. The areas that we focus on, living, parenting, finance, fitness, health, food, fashion, travel, careers, motors and much more. And many of those we feature here are household names. Many others should be and will no doubt be as they go about inspiring people in their day-to-day lives. Today we're talking to... So Ian McLean from Flow, how are you? I'm Fantastic. Good. New year, new me. Good, good. Well, I'm hoping and knowing that you're going to share some of your wisdoms with us now. Um, Some great pieces that you helped us with last year was look at our career. Look at grabbing moments and opportunities in life. Looking at the wave and the ebb and flow of decision making and how they're made. And we started off some great pieces with you around this time last year. So I'm delighted to be back um, and doing something Complete now for something completely different uh, as we head into 2018. Something that kind of has a personal story and a resonance with you. So rather than me explain it, tell us what you have in store for us. Well, what I have in store, I hope, uh, is something that is reflective of uh, where I've arrived after 50 years because this is a big year. Uh, 68 was when I was born. So th- this year, next month actually, is when I turned 50. And uh, well, when the year turns, it's a time when people take time out to reflect and take stock and you know think about their lives and so on and so on. And then there are bigger landmarks, as we all know, because many of us have encountered them along the way, where you probably take double stock. And uh, the big numbers, the ones with the O's on the end, are the ones that you probably spend the time reflecting on a little bit more. And that's uh, where I am this year, in this calendar year. And as a means of trying to mark the occasion, Everybody thinks, you know, what are you doing for your 50th? And, uh, you know, I decided I wouldn't buy the Ferrari. Uh, I wouldn't take up base jumping. I wouldn't dip into the bucket list or I wouldn't do a big extravaganza party. Uh, I wanted to do something that probably indulged me a little bit whilst at the same time offering some sort of value to other people. And, if I may, one birthday that didn't have a zero at the end of it but did prove to be very significant for you was a nine-year-old's birthday. Yeah, that was partly the catalyst because when I was thinking about how I would uh, reflect or capture what it is I've learned in the first half century of life, it coincided with my eldest being nine, Reuben. Uh, He was nine years old last month. And it caused me to reflect and think about myself as a nine-year-old. Mm. And uh, as we know, our kids are our greatest teachers. So we learn as much from them as we do from Absolutely. anything else that's going on. And, uh, you know, you can't but help see a lot of yourself in your kids as your kids are growing up. And when he turned nine, uh, I remembered what it was like when I turned nine because, you know, I have pretty clear memories of it. And, um, you know, there was a lot that I don't remember about it. But what I do remember is was the year that Lester Piggott won the Derby on the Minstrel. Right. Uh, Not everybody clearly would remember that. uh, I definitely remember that. And the other thing that I remember about being that age was I was fascinated by horse racing, but I was also fascinated by what it was that made some people happier and more successful than other people. Because uh, I knew it, I knew even at nine years old that it wasn't money because we didn't have an awful lot when I was growing up, like a lot of my contemporaries. Um, and we were happy enough. 
And then there were a lot of people who were a lot more than us, and they weren't necessarily happier than us. So I was fascinated by this, even as far back as nine years old. Do you know, I think this is a wonderful thing you're adding on, because something you, you, you perhaps missed in all of this as well, or perhaps you, you're, you're humble and you're not saying, or haven't thought about yet, your legacy. So 50 is 50 years young. So, you know, there's still plenty of time to do many, many things. And all of the things and that you mentioned that many people do to celebrate bucket lists or Ferraris or huge parties, all very understandable. But this is a great thing that we're hoping to do together um, throughout this year that or at least we can help you do is look back in each week and every two weeks to share, look back each week as you're writing and preparing for this and then to share with us, the rest of us every two weeks is a series of your learnings from not just your personal but also your professional learnings. So let's go from where at nine you had your discovered two key interests and how you developed them to get to where you are now. I suppose the assumption that you make when you're an adult is that children know less than you and somehow the older you get, the wiser you get. And my experience was probably different when I was growing up because um, the other interesting parallel is at the moment I'm reading The Little Prince with Reuben. I so love it's it. the book that we're reading. And we came across a paragraph which ended with the, the sentence that adults are weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always thought even as a child looking at adults that there was a lot of stuff that they hadn't figured out and stuff that was obvious to me. And, um, you know, a very simple example of that was I, from as far back again as I can remember, nine years old or maybe even before, I was very mindful that time was a critical thing, that that you only had a finite amount of time. How did you become aware of that so young? That is an answer that I don't have. I, I, I always had either a sense of curiosity or a sense of reflection as a young person that probably marked me out from my peer group. And that had positives and negatives to it. So, you know, one of the positive, one of the negatives to it was that I was pretty marginalized. So I, I you know, I was, I was an outsider a lot of the time. So, and most of the coolest people are. Well, whether I was cool or not now, that's probably open to interpretation. No, but cool is also open to interpretation uh, continually and often what is considered to be cool isn't cool and vice versa. So you were an outsider, marginalised, but not badly affected? No, not badly affected. I probably had, uh, I had enough confidence even in that, that it didn't affect me too badly. And in addition to that, I found enough of a tribe of people who were similarly marginalised and when I say marginalised, we just listen, listen to different music. We, listen, we read different books. Um, most of the friends I had back in those years, in the kind of early years and into the teens, were older than me. I felt I didn't have an awful lot in common with uh, my, my uh, peers in the class necessarily, except for one or two. And, um, but, but that was enough to sustain. And the other thing I think which is kind of parallel to this entirely was I was naturally very good at sport. So that kind of got you included. And even though you were a bit different or you thought a bit differently to everybody else, the fact that you were good at sport compensated for that. Especially with, at, at the time with boys, thankfully even more so with girls now as, as where women are being allowed to show the talents that they have on, um, on the field. But come back to that. So you, your parents, where did that come from? The, 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 the bigger picture thinking, the looking and reading different things. That, that I still still can't 
identify where that came from. And, and, you know, one of the great debates, and I'm sure throughout this year we'll get into this on and off that never goes away, is the uh, conflict between nature and nurture and where we think everything comes from. You know, so what has gone to make up Tara Lockery Grant at, you know, your very youthful age? Uh, But at this point, is it is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it a combination of both? And I would say whatever whatever the essential ingredients or the DNA that I had at that age were definitely more coming from the nature. And I, I couldn't to this day say it came from here or it came from there. It was just something that I just had. Wow. And, you know, this mindfulness around time, like for me, it was very obvious and very clear, even at that age, that there was an end point. And to me, life was about how do you get the most out of the time that you have you know, and for somebody who was nine, and yes. I'm not saying that I was thinking this all the time at nine, I was out playing games like everybody else and playing football and, you know, playing computer games. Uh, but I had, I had this mindfulness. And in my teens, whenever I was thinking about careers, for example, I, my father was a school teacher and was a national primary headmaster for 37 or 38 years in a small rural uh, community. And all parents want for their kids is security. So he wanted me to be a teacher. And, you know, the last thing in the world that I wanted to be was a teacher because I felt that it would not have fulfilled a meaningful life for me. And this is thinking age 13, 14, 15 years old, uh, you know, that 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 uh, there was an alternative. And, and however I wanted to spend my life, I wanted to spend it doing something that was meaningful for me and that was fulfilling for me. And teaching wouldn't have been enough. It's a little bit ironic, though. It is a little bit ironic. <laughs> My father reminds me of it to this day. <laughs> yeah, what does he say? Well, he says, you know, I told you you'd be a teacher. Uh, so it's ironic that, that, that in, a, in a peculiar way he was, he was right about it. But it took me a long time to get into the groove <laughs> of being a teacher. But, you know, I, would, I don't think I'd be a good teacher in a primary okay, or secondary no, school I know. Or, or in the system. And, yes. and, you know, the whole idea of being an outsider, uh, I've discovered that, that working within a system where there are rules... That that's an anathema to me. Well, give me now to give a little bit of context to what we're talking about is, so as I said, we're, oh, you're go, we're go, bleh, you're going to be sharing your learnings with us, which is very um, going back to the teacher hat and your dad. So it is going to be interesting the way this develops over the year and the way that the different topics that we're going to be talking about. Of course, we're starting off the new year um, and uh, part of our series, New Year, New You. And as part of that, we're setting this up. We're explaining what we're going to be doing throughout the year. A lot of the articles that you have written connected to previous podcasts have played and resonated very well and um, with people, um, as we've seen by the, the page views and impressions on, on those stories. And likewise, when it comes to listening back to the podcast. So... If you could describe then, what would your goals be, bringing it down less from a high level, down to some of the examples of the type of subjects that we will touch on? I think it's a vast subject and, you know, the type of insights, any one insight we could talk about for the whole of the year. But essentially, if you use the analogy of a game, life has a lot of the, a lot of the attributes of a game. So, for example, one of the things is there are physical boundaries. So there are, there are limits within it. Uh, the second thing is there is an absolute time limit. The sneaky bit about that is that we don't actually know how long the game lasts. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to operate on the basis that it's going to last for a very long time. But as many of us find out or discover either ourselves or with people close to us, sometimes you get, you know, uh, the time gets brought forward unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing is we, we all have an opening hand that we're dealt and when I say opening hand, it's the birth lottery. 
<laughs> so what we don't get to choose is we don't get to choose our geography. So where we are born on the planet, we have no idea and we don't get to choose it. And the second part of the birth lottery is we get born into a family that we don't get to choose. And those two things have a massive impact. And within the context of that birth lottery, uh, we have to make our way and make the best way we can with that. And we play on multiple levels. So there are at least four discernible levels. So there's a physical level that we play on. There's a psychological level. There's an emotional level. And there's a spiritual level. And we play some or all of those levels, either in turn or simultaneously, as we go along the journey. So the analogy of a game is a good one. It is. And the one thing that we don't have or that we aren't given at birth is the rules <laughs> of how to make the best of it and how to win okay. at the game. And there are a lot of people who are applying themselves in a particular way that is causing them to win and win well. And there are a lot of people who, unfortunately, are applying themselves in a way that's causing them to lose. And some people are winning at some things and losing at other things. So how do you win, you know, both in work, in life, in relationships? And that's what we're going to try to uncover over the next 12 months. Winning at life. I think that's a good name for the series, Ian. Well, if we've just invented it now and you think <laughs> it's a good name, we'll run with that. <laughs> we may have borrowed it, but uh, we will attribute it all in due course. We know that you at nine were interested in horse racing and also looking at this time and success feature, looking at people going, why are some more successful and happier than others? And we only have a certain amount of time to get our heads around this thing called life. You have since now looking at, as you look in the face of your 50th year, two things, those two areas of your life have come and you have brought them all the way up. So horse racing, where are you now? Uh, for 20 years <laughs> up until last year, I uh, was writing for the Sunday Independent and uh, had a fantastic innings working on horse racing with all the people involved in the industry and writing about it, which is a passion. Like amazing, really, when you think about it. That was your dream, one of your dreams, yeah. and you've done it. Second, when it comes to the success. Yeah, I started a business 20 years ago this year. So Flow uh, was started in 1998, so that's 20 years. And that's probably another reason why I thought it would be good to do this, would be as part of the last 20 years, uh, I've had the opportunity to, A, grow a business um, and, you know, and stop it from failing, which is often what... <laughs> business people do is you're as much trying to, particularly in 2009 and 2010, if anybody's listening and <laughs> is involved and remembers back to the crash. So that's on one side of it. But um, the essence of it is working with organizations and uh, individuals and leaders and managers. And during the time we've worked with over 300 different uh, organizations from government agencies to sports organizations, to corporates, to SMEs, uh, to voluntary organizations trying to understand, you know, what works, what doesn't. And uh, during that time, probably worked with somewhere between 25,000 and 30,000 leaders and managers. And if you're paying mindful attention during all of that time, you're learning all the time. And I thought that at the half century, it would be a good opportunity to try to condense and summarize all of that learning into something, first of all, for me, because uh, trying to make sense of it and trying to distill it down you know, I, I write to know what I think. So um, writing disciplines you to try to make sense of what a great everything line. that you've read. It's not my line, by the way. I know. It goes it, it's back great. about 120 years. But, Who, whose was it? Um, it's actually attributed to about two or three different people. So okay. if, you, if, you, if you Google it, you'll find about three attributions. Okay. So I'm not even going to come down Go on one there. side or another. Really good. So I write to know what I think. Yes. So, um, so, so the 
distillation of it is, you know, firstly to make sense of all of that time spent learning and trying to distill it into something simple. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a simplicity that's on the other side of the complexity. And hopefully there'll be some use or uh, value in it for, for other people. You, in the workshops, let's say, and some of the training, some of the, um, you've worked with, as you said, almost 300 companies at this stage uh, with Flow. What would be some of the key areas? Because they will be some, we'll be tackling, tackling perhaps a, a number of times, a number of different angles, because there lot, there's lots to cover. What would be some of the key international issues that we all, I and mean, you've seen that people, whether it's an individual or a company, suffer from? If you could pick three, and I know that's a tough thing. And also then, um, I'd like to make it maybe more Irish sp- specific after that, because again, it gives people an idea of what to keep coming back for throughout the year. Okay, so... If I were thinking about everything that we're going to discuss and, and, and explore over the next 12 months, the key to people's well-being, happiness, sense of balance, uh, sense of feeling that they're winning or losing, uh, ultimately boils down to two key things. One is how people think, and the second is how they interact with other people. So the thinking side of it is very much internal. So what's happening on the inside between those two ears upstairs and the second is external how we project how we interact the impact that we have on the outside and the two actually have an interconnection but you can separate them out and practically everything that we will talk about and write about and post about in the next 12 months will be connected to one or other of those things okay and that could be a team of people how they think and how they interact with other teams (laughs) or it could be a whole organization, or it could be an individual. And the same principle applies because there's an organizational thinking and there's an organizational impact. You know, in the business world, it would be called reputation, how people are perceived or how the organization is perceived. Very good. But every single individual within the organization has also got a reputation, which is based on their impact. Some people are highly aware of their own impact, other people less so. And that's part of the variable. And part of the awareness about their own impact or an individual's own impact is based upon how they think. So ultimately, you could take a cross-section of any individual, just like a tree, and you could look at the lines of a tree, and a tree surgeon will be able to tell you an awful lot about the history of the tree, the the health of the tree, um, the future projections of the tree, (laughs) just simply by doing the cross-section. If you could imagine doing some form of that with a human being and you could look inside psychologically, you would be able to, just from people's belief systems, how they think, how they process, how they react, how they label, that is a serious, you know, what sort of internal conversation they have with themselves on a daily basis. So, for example, 95% of the conversations you ever have in your life are with yourself. Yes. So you have this constantly running monologue inside in your head that most people they just don't even pay attention to because it's like an unconscious thing Mm. but you're talking to yourself all the time (laughs) and the quality of the conversation you're having internally is projecting itself outwardly so if your conversation is an inner critic who's telling you you're no good and there's no chance of you being able to do this then that's going to manifest itself in an outward direction and have an impact in that way yeah 
I love it. I love that. It's so powerful, isn't it? I think as well, timing for this is brilliant because we did, particularly last year, it is coming to a stage where people are realising the importance of focusing on our mental health. It's important, the importance of focusing on our mental health for every aspect of our lives. You've talked about mindfulness. You've talked about the need to sometimes um, stop slow down, analyse, take the time to do that um, before you can go forward is to take a step back. Yeah. And, and um, it's very difficult. You know, you, you, one of the things that we see, and in the last 20 years, it hasn't got any better. In fact, it's got worse, is that life has got busier and busier and busier. And people, technology is a total double edge. Yes, it is. You know, on one side, it, it makes life incredibly convenient and miraculous and enables things that we could never have done 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And at the same time, it has the, the, the twin edge of making people, making the expectation that people are constantly available and on. Mm. The impact or the implication of that for the individual when they're trying to stay healthy, stay balanced, run a family, be present, um, have exercise, you know, have some mental space. So when you talk about this time of year, which is a time for reflection, a lot of people, the only time that they get to take time out to reflect on anything is this time of year over the Christmas period and to try to make sense of what's gone before and to try to make some sort of plan for what's going to come next because they know as soon as they go back into the real world again, you know, this kind of nine, nine to nine, I mean, nine to five you know, that's a, that's a 1980s movie, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Working girl. Or a Dolly Parton song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. To take time, you need to make time, don't you? You can have that, Ian. Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah, Thank you. but it's true, isn't it? So in order to move forward, um, something else that you've said before is what's important isn't urgent, what, what's urgent isn't important. Again, a phrase that's probably come from somewhere else, but it is so true. That we don't, we're so busy firefighting and getting through the day to day that we don't often have time for what's important. So again, they're the times that the planning sessions, the forward thinking, the working smarter, not harder. So what do you, what's your view on that one? I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's one that we'll inevitably dedicate a chapter of the year to, that, mm-hmm. that specific thing. And uh, there's no easy answer except, you know, a lot of it comes down to understanding what the fundamental objective is or what it is you're striving for. So what whether that's a business or whether that's, you know, in in your private life or whether it's a holistic, you know, Mm -hmm. getting a balance between the two. So where you put your attention, that tends to be where you place your effort. Talking of which, I'm going to use the last few minutes to help people today, to start off by helping people today. And yes, I am completely putting Ian on the spot in this one because this is not in our preparation or our notes or in the article that's going to be up in Lifestyle about this to launch this series with Ian. Ian McLean from Flow, we're talking here um, about Winning at Life, a new series that we're going to be running throughout the year. Ian, you have set your objective. You are turning 50. You have set this wonderful goal for yourself for the year to share with the rest of us, okay? And also will be a wonderful uh, legacy as well and a lovely uh, memory for your own children and family to follow sort of a yellow brick road through life and career for the rest of us to help us set our objectives so that we can go on this journey with you. I know those people don't like, like that word journey. I really don't mind it at all. But to go on this path, trip, whatever. How can we, what, how does one set one's objectives Aside from going, I would like to, lovely. 
how do we realistically get to there and from it being a dream but also an achievable one? I typically do this in two stages. And this, this applies personally and it applies professionally and it applies in a business context. The principles are exactly the same. So the first thing that, that, that I suggest is that you forget and dismiss entirely where you currently are. So you just put it to one side and you just take a blank sheet of paper and you then begin to think and imagine what it is you would like to have, would like to be, where you would like to be to begin to describe it. So you start off by using your imagination, which is the gift that we have, which differentiates us from the rest of mammals who don't pay any attention to time. We're the only mammal who worries about time. Yes. Uh, we're only also the only mammal with the unique gift of being able to project and imagine a future that doesn't exist. So no other mammals do this. That you know, we know of. Squirrels do. Well, <laughs> and, and science is, has kind of tested this yeah, pretty much, yeah. but we haven't discovered one yet. Squirrels. Squirrels, they bury nuts and then they hope that they find them when it comes to being hungry. Um, so they're not really forward planners, okay. squirrels. Uh, the, so the first thing is to tap into that resource. Now, if you think about the cultural heritage that most of us had in our upbringing was to imagine something that doesn't exist in your own life and, and, and begin to spend time on that. This kind of faux humility that we were given as a kind of badge right. to carry around with us when we were younger is, you know, don't, don't get notions above your station. Yes. That fits very much into the notions above your station. So as I'm saying this, there are people out there with that sort of heritage who are thinking, well, hang on a second. <laughs> isn't that, you know, unrealistic? Isn't it unreasonable? Isn't it? Yeah. But you want to start off from a point of unreasonability. You know, it's like George Bernard Shaw. Reasonable men adapt themselves to the world. Unreasonable men adapt the world to themselves. Wow. Therefore, all progress depends on unreasonable men and women. Yes, good. Obviously. <laughs> so that's step one, is be unreasonable, okay. you know, and, and, and put aside where you currently are, because you've got no chance of ever achieving that unless you put aside where you are. Good. And step two would be then, if that's what the dream is, or that's what the, you know, the ultimate destination is, to use the journey analogy, if you then look at the end of 2018 and just look at a 12-month window, because the dream can be two, three, five years ahead, but you are closer in time to one year ahead, so to make that real, what's a milestone along the way to that vision or that dream or that unreasonableness that would be realistic but challenging for the year ahead? And then begin to get a bit more granular about, in order to have done that, what would I need to be doing or what would I need to have done by the end of the year? So one of the things, one of the regrets that I have is that I've always intended to learn a musical instrument. And to this date, I have always intended but never done anything about it. Okay. And if I want to pick up, you know, if I want to learn the guitar and I want to think about it, so the vision would be, you know, what playing guitar, say, in a, in a pub and doing a solo gig in a pub. That might be what I imagine to do, right? Currently, I'm nowhere near it, but that's the imagination. Well, in order to do that, in 12 months' time, what would I need to be doing? What level would I need to be at? And then, you know, what does it mean then in the first quarter of the year? What does it mean in the first month of the year? Well, the first thing would be, I actually have a guitar. so Do I've you gone, want so, to do this? Well, it's something that, that, that I have a high aspiration to do. Great. And then, you know, so I, I, I have a guitar. So what would I need? To, you know, how would I do I book some lessons? Do I? So it brings it down to the closer in time you get to an event, the more granular you need to be about what you're going to do. The further away in time it is, you can be more, you know, uh, gaseous <laughs> about, the, about the view and the vision. But uh, a vision backed up by 
a one-year definition of what would need to be in place or you'd need to have accomplished and then you work back from that and then that comes into your planning. Lovely analogy, I get it. And bon chance with your guitar learning. This I'll is great. Now, yeah, you have. This is, look, we're, not only are you helping us set our objectives but we've helped you set another one for this year. Um, okay, before we let you go in, for people, if they want to um, read up, so all, you know, what you're going to do, just explain what you're going to be doing um, with us over the next while so that um, people can read up and follow us whether it's via the podcast and also then by the written articles so the written articles we are going to so if there are 50 lessons in a year which is roughly one a week we're going to post once every two weeks which means that there will be two lessons uh, in each post every two weeks and we're going to do a podcast one a month and that will include the four lessons of the previous Brilliant. month that, that have just been posted. Well, well summarised. I was actually kind of testing you to see how that New Year's brain is working, but you're on the ball. Oh, There's yes. no catching you out. I've left the eggnog behind. Are you excited? I'm very excited, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm a person who's, you know, fortunately, and this is probably a DNA thing, I was born with the glass half full. And uh, I'm very fortunate that way. Yeah. So I tend to... You know, see the stars, not the gutter. <laughs> Good, Oscar Wilde. Absolutely brilliant. You know, Ian, I've been really excited since we started talking about this um, around uh, pre-Halloween last year. So to be here at the first podcast, at the first hurdle, watching you get ready and the gun is about to go. The gun is going. The gun is going with this. Um, and to watch you set off on this and to be bringing the rest of us along with you for these learnings in life and career. I'm really, really excited. Looking forward to the marathon. <laughs> Ian McLean from Flow. And you can read the interview on rte.a forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RT News Now app. This is Radio 1 Extra and you can listen to all of our podcasts also on iTunes and also on the Radio 1 Extra website. And we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. No excuse to miss this. And if you do, you can catch up with the articles we'll have them all under the one index on lifestyle and I'm Tara Lockery Grant and you have been brilliant for listening thank you so much and we'll be back with you next week thanks bye bye The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra 